just want to know if this is the 50th episode before I announce it. That's all, that's all. I think it is. I think it is. Do you think it is? Definitely 50. Is that is that the green light? Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... Are there often bear attacks? We, we don't have a lot of bear, but we do have quite a few wild boar, poisonous snakes, ticks, chiggers. Chiggers are basically the state animal of Tennessee. It's this little mite that burrows under oh, your skin. And it's stop just... it. This is a horror story. That's giving me the chiggers just hearing about it. I don't want to know about that. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the Running With Jake podcast. This episode is indeed the 50th episode. I mean, in reality, what does that mean? I don't know. Does it really mean that much? I'm not sure, but it means we've done 50 of these bad boys. We're still going. We love it. You guys clearly are loving the show, so thank you so much for your feedback. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. And look, do you know what? Motivation ebbs and flows. It goes through peaks and troughs, and we need that little pick-me-up, and that's what this show aims to do every single week. Talking of motivation, I spent a rather pleasant evening, virtually speaking, last night with Blue Zoo. Blue Zoo. Yeah, Blue Zoo, an animation studio in London. These guys are great. I want to give these guys a big shout-out. It was Chloe, actually, who arranged this. She reached out to me, and she said, you know what, Jake, I could really do with some help here, getting the guys uh, motivated at the animation studio. We've got this virtual challenge going on. So this week, they're aiming at running a marathon between them as a team, which is amazing. So that's 26.2 miles, all levels of ability, and every team member's playing their part. So a great way to kind of keep motivated. And then the invited me to spend an hour with them last night uh, over Zoom, of course, and um, do a bit of a running talk, a bit of a running workshop to share some tips and tricks and help them to get the most out of running and, and get them fired up. It was just it was just awesome, actually. That's absolutely brilliant. I had no idea you did virtual stuff like that. That's brilliant. So not only are you a podcast host, you're also a virtual motivator who can be hired privately, which is great. Hired privately. <laughs> I can also be hired privately if you'd like me to... Um, do the disco at your wedding I'm more than happy to uh, more than happy to help out but I, unfortunately there aren't any discos at weddings at the moment so this is my only thing um, anyway I've just checked this Blue Zoo thing they are great <laughs> aren't they it does say on the front page that they are multi-BAFTA award winning experts at crafting joyful compelling stories mm. that sounds absolutely brilliant but I hate award winners because I'm I'm jealous of award winners Jake I've been nominated for awards in the past I've never won an award I'm only ever a nominee I'm never a winner which is a real shame. In fact, I entered this or no, I didn't. I tried to enter the podcast for some podcast awards last year but we were too young. Really? Yeah, we were too young. We'd not got enough episodes out. So this year, I'll enter us for some podcast awards and because I'm the kiss of death, we won't win them. We'll just be nominees. We won't be winners. Oh, fantastic. I- I- I'll look forward to that. I'll give it a go. The multi-BAFTA award-winning Bluesy were just awesome last night. And you know, I'll be honest, Pete, I was a little bit nervous before. I bet, yeah. You really care about something. I'd never met these guys before. I've had a bit of conversation with Chloe over messages and stuff, and um, to Mm. see all their smiling faces on Zoom, and they were so engaged. They were, you know, had lots of questions for me because you never really know how something like that is going to go, where they're just going to be these faces kind of staring at you and looking at you like you are eating into my evening, but but they (laughs) loved it, and, and they had so many questions. I'll be honest, I was kind of expecting a few more questions around lactate threshold and Jake tell me about the benefits of hill training and have you got any great hamstring stretches <laughs> yeah no yeah okay they wanted to know what my best poo story was <laughs> why what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong with them not just do you have a poo story 
But, like, what's your best one? I mean, you must have a best one. There's probably, like, 12 stories, right? Well, as in, like, uh, when you have to stop when you're running, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. I, mean, I thought you just meant, like, your general, you know, like, best poo story. <laughs> I thought, that's really weird. <laughs> I see this is a running thing. I had Right, OK, OK. Well, I'm, I'm kind of guessing it's connected to, like, running... But I yeah. think it's running-based poo stories. That, that's what they were after. They were after running-based poo stories. And, you know, it happens to all runners. You will know, if you are a regular listener to the show, that we leave no stone unturned. We will discuss any topic with you, with our guests. We go everywhere. We don't mind doing that. But I was, I was really thrown because it, rather than shock, I, I sat back in my chair and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, which one of, like, the 25 poo stories do I share with them? I mean... Hang on, hang on. A minute ago, you said you'd got 12, and now you said you'd got 20, 25. Where did the 13 poo stories come from in the last 10 seconds? What's happened? That's the power of the subconscious, my friend. It just throws these things into the forefront of your mind. So I'm thinking, well, do I tell them about mile 18 of the Manchester Marathon when I had to stop in oh. the old people's home, well, the garden of the old people's home, banging on the door of a pub during a two-lap race on both laps to get them to open to use a toilet? Right. I did use a brick once because I couldn't find any appropriate leaves. That might be quite a good story to tell. Oh, no. Using a sock, using somebody else's sock. I mean, the list just goes on. The list just goes on. <laughs> the one I really wanted to share with the guys was the, probably the most recent one where I was on the local coastal path and I got caught a little bit short and it was like, oh, please don't judge me if you listen to the show. Well, you're runners, you know the score. It happens to so many of us. I thought, what do I do? Where do I go here? I'm on my own. I'm on the coastal path. This is a flipping nightmare. So I found this kind of opening, right, uh, just off the coastal path. Is that the right word to use right well, now? Well, it's the most appropriate <laughs> okay. word, my friend. I found this opening. I was like, right, I'm just going to dart in there because I just, I, what can I do, man? I mean, what can you do in that situation? Sure. I had no choice. And I'm thinking, this is just so undignified. This is terrible. But, you know, we've been there before. Just suck it up, Jake. Get on with it. <laughs> Crack on. Not the best phrasing to use. No, I appreciate no. So I have a quick look around. There's nobody near me. Fine. Mm. Okay, let's just get this done. Get out of here. I, I kind of go to into position, kind of squat oh, down right. slightly. Okay. And, you know, put your clothing where it needs to be. Sure. It's fairly close to the ankles at this point. Sure. I'm just about to get things done and move along. I look to my right, and I kid you not, I'm squatting next to a sign that says, please do not shit here. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I, I, you can't... Seriously, you can't make this up. I, I'm thinking, I just froze. I'm looking around thinking, am I being watched? Are there cameras? Like, who just... Did somebody know that I was going to... Do how many runners stop at this precise point for a little? That must be like a magnet. It's unbelievable. I just had visions of you know Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. You know where Jeff Goldblum walks up to that massive steaming pile of Stegosaurus poo. Yes. I just had visions of this on the coastal path in Cleveland. <laughs> like all these runners. That's the perfect spot. I'm stopping there. Well, when you see the spot, you know the spot. Anyway, you all want to know the outcome. I got stage fright. I just had to hold it for the rest of the run, and that's it. <laughs> but look, if you are, what's the long and the short of this story? If you are a company looking to motivate your team, then feel free to drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. Don't worry, I've got plenty more poo stories up my sleeve <laughs> and a packet of emergency tissues. Always. For the show Always. notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. 
It gives me great pleasure to introduce today's guest. It is the 50th episode. Did I mention that? 50th episode of the podcast. And we couldn't have a better guest on. It, actually, the friend of a former guest, a recent guest that we've had on, it is indeed John Kelly, super ultra runner. He's a chief technology officer by day, a husband and a dad, where he finds the time to do all the running and achieve these great things. I have no idea, but he's going to tell us more about that now. John? Great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here. And what an honor to be episode number 50. Hey, man, it's a pleasure. And it's great to connect with you on Zoom. That's how the world are talking at the moment in 2020. We know it's been a crazy year. You're looking very relaxed and chilled, and I'm happy to see this. You've had a bonkers year. You must be absolutely knackered, mate. You've done all these crazy things. You've recently been awarded the Fell Runners Association Long Distance Award. Is that right? Yeah, sh- sharing it with Donnie Campbell this year. That's crazy. So what's kind of the standout achievements for you? And there's been so many, but what do you think got you that award? Why do you think they gave it to you? Is it one particular achievement or do you think it's a number of things? The award is specifically, uh, it, it doesn't consider races. And, you know, there weren't many races to consider this year to begin with. So it was quite the year uh, for the award and in terms of the achievements people have done. And uh, there there were a dozen or so that were just incredible achievements that were definitely deserving uh, of the award. Mine was... Uh, a chunk I, I put together during a, about a one-month window I had in the summer where first I went up after the Penine Way record, which was, it stood since 1989, uh, held by Mike Hartley, uh, and I was able to, to knock 34 minutes off of that before uh, my friend Damien Hall came along a week later and knocked another three hours off of it. But then uh, a month to the day after I finished the Penine Way, I started another project of mine called the Grand Round, where for that I did the, the UK's big three fell running rounds, uh, the Paddy Buckley in Snowdonia in, in Wales, uh, the Bob Graham in the Lake District, uh, and then the Charlie Ramsey round uh, up near Fort William in Scotland. The general goal of these is to do uh, them individually uh, within 24 hours, and I, I had the idea of doing them consecutively and riding my bike in between them. That turned into a bit over a five-day project for me to, to get all of those done, and I think those two things together, the Penine Way and, and the Grand Round, were uh, what was considered for the, the Fell Runners Association Long Distance Award. I mean, that's some serious commute, jumping on your bike to do the three biggest rounds uh, it's just incredible stuff. Really, Where do you get these ideas from? I'm really interested to get into what motivates you, John. I'm fascinated by this. Runners of all abilities, of all levels, of course, but somebody that pushes themselves to the limits that you do. And that's not just in terms of pace either, is it? It's such long stuff. You know, you talk about a five-day project and, and no doubt lots of planning that goes into that and all this sort of stuff. What what what's the overriding factor that motivates you? Is there one thing, or is it a collection of things? Yeah, it's it's a number of things, and as you mentioned, uh, the the planning and the logistics for these types of things are by no means trivial, and a big part of the challenge. And I, I had an incredible support crew uh, to help out with that aspect of it. But what I'm I really look for in, in these sorts of things are challenges that I feel are right at the edge uh, of what's possible for me. Uh, you know, maybe I'll fail. Maybe I won't. Uh, it, to be honest, I would rather have it just slightly out of reach than something that I can uh, achieve easily because I know that 
in doing that, I'm, I'm reaching as far as I, I possibly can. I'm moving as far from my starting point as possible uh, to, to try to reach these goals. The other parts of it are probably more straightforward in nature, simply finding things that I'm passionate about. I loved the idea of getting able to explore all of these areas uh, in one go after moving over here. Uh, and I love mountain running and I, I love cycling. And so this thing melded those together perfectly for me. We spoke to Damien Hall, obviously, on the show, as you know, recently, uh, naturally about his his record, breaking the Pennine Way record, 268 miles, which you uh, held this year also. And we were talking a little bit about the data side of stuff as well, like how detailed do you get with your training? And he was talking about the variables when you're doing such big stuff on such varied terrain and you've then got the weather elements in there as well. He doesn't particularly run on heart rate. Um, he, he uses that a little bit to guide some of his, his training sessions, but not so much when he's out there racing and, and pushing himself. What, what sort of data do you use uh, to monitor the intensity that you're running at and how because it's your day job and it's something that you're really you know, very skilled at clearly do you want to get away from that when you're out there in the hills or do you want to bring some of that to the training and to the running itself? I definitely bring some of it to the planning as far as laying out my schedule and uh, what I'm going to need for each section and, and what my pace should be for the various terrain but once I'm out there uh, I, I very much want to have as little of a mental burden as possible. And so I, I do that planning ahead of time so that I don't have to do it during the run. As long as I know I'm sticking to my schedule and to my pace, I'm, I'm good. Once I'm out there, I do very much enjoy it as a, as a disconnect from my day job and from regular life and to just be out there running is really what I'm after. Where does the inspiration come from for these goals, for these targets because a lot of these you set yourself is there a brainstorming process where you just you know you sit down you open a cold beer you've got a sheet of paper and you're scribbling all these mad ideas down is there like this bank this paper basket in your office where you just have all these discarded bits of paper with all these ideas where you're thinking that's never going to work i'm never going to be able to do that how does the process work do you do you want to achieve things that other people have already achieved and you want to go one better or do you get creative with the goals? I'm really intrigued to know how that inspiration works for you. I do have a, a, a Word document that I keep on my computer and I, I constantly update it with new ideas and things I want to do. And I know that I'll never get through. Uh, I need to see this. Pete, can you tap into this somehow? Can we, can we, come on, Jay, you're good at this. I'm, can you crack the code? I'm, I'm, I don't, That's got to be worth a fortune. <laughs> I'm a podcast producer, not a hacker. What do you take me for? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! That, Damn it! I, I also I also have a spreadsheet of all my favorite uh, sweets to eat eat while running, which I, I've shared with Dan. Really, that's so. an important one. Oh, that, wow. that we need to see. I won't be doing it whilst running, mate. I'll be doing it whilst um, sitting down and watching TV. But I'm well into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've got the important stuff documented. Um, but but really, so for these challenges, yeah, it's, it's a matter of prioritizing them and seeing how they will fit together at various times of the year and which ones do uh, at any given time just really resonate with me and, and motivate me because it is something that when you do these things uh, you're you're going to want to quit it, it doesn't matter how good you are or anything else you're going to reach a point where your mind and your body tell you that you should quit and you have to have that internal motivation, that internal drive, 
uh, to reach that goal, to, to push past that. And so I, I am very much uh, just regularly looking through that list and, and seeing what, what really connects with me at, at any given time. You recently said that pleasure is overcoming pain, not necessarily experiencing it. So I, I heard this on a podcast I listened to with you on. It was an interview, actually. Tell me a little bit more about that, because I think that there are people listening to this show that have their own goals and aspirations. And I'm really intrigued to know what you think to this. That almost have this perception, maybe false perception, that we should enjoy every single training session that we do and running should be a pleasure. My belief is it should be a pleasure overall in your life. It should bring you things and satisfaction. But I think there is an element of suffering, for want of a better phrase, for experiencing some discomfort, maybe even some pain as you touch on. What's your view on that? The kind of, you know, enjoyment versus the suffering <coughs> element. One of the other races I'm known for is the Barclay Marathons. And it's quite often cast, and, and even, you know, articles have come out calling it the masochist's marathon, and they refer to the race director as a sadist, and uh, all of this messaging that, to me, just isn't quite right. And, and those things do imply that the pleasure is in the pain itself, that we are going out there just to hurt ourselves, and, and that's uh, the... Uh, the benefit that we derive from it. And, and that's not true at all for me. The pleasure is in overcoming the obstacles that cause the pain. And so we set our sights on these goals, and these goals are, are challenging. And they're challenging because we know that there will be difficulties along the way. We know that there will be pain along the way. And that's, that's not unlike uh, many things in life. And to me, getting out there and seeing how I respond to these difficulties, seeing how I respond to these bad situations, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are when I'm in that situation, uh, that's stuff that I can take back and, and apply to everyday life. And, and sure, it's, it's a bit of a first world problem uh, that, you know, we have to voluntarily put ourselves in these situations to experience them and, and to see how we respond. But I think that experiencing those things is definitely something that that we all need to go through uh, in order to improve and, and again in order to be able to handle them when they come our way in an actual meaningful situation it's it's a choice isn't it it's you talk about first world problem it's a choice to to be in that situation and i think if we can embrace that and accept it and remind ourselves when the going gets tough I think it helps us to accept and ultimately get more out of what we're actually doing and get that euphoric feeling after we've completed that challenge. And we're looking back and we've got this story to tell and we're telling other people. And I think that's something that's really, really valuable. Do you ever think, do you know, I I can't believe I did that. I was, I, I really surprised myself. I had some doubts. I like to push myself to the <coughs> limit. I felt going into this particular ch challenge, I may be stepping over my capabilities here, the ceiling of my ability. Were you ever left surprised? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a huge benefit from this. Of When I started out doing these things, I just wanted to see how I could do in a marathon. You know, I'd never really raced farther than 5K. I thought I could do better at longer distances. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. Uh, I, I kept going on that and I thought, well, I, I can qualify for Boston. And, well, maybe I should give this trail running and this triathlon stuff ago and, and see how I do at those. 
And so it, it is this constant journey of discovery where you're reaching slightly farther each time and, and you're progressively seeing what you're capable of to where at, at some point you look back and, and you can't even see your starting point. And likewise, when you were at your starting point, you wouldn't have been able to see where you are now. When I was at my starting point, I never would have imagined I was doing, I would be doing any of the stuff that, that I am at this point. That lesson applies to, to anything, that, that confidence you get from that, that, that knowledge of your own potential, that carries over from running to, to absolutely anything uh, that you're pursuing. But this has to be a point where we, it's not, so good to be in the moment now we're always told that it's important to be in the moment and i really agree like having this conversation now nothing else matters other than the conversation i'm having with your good self but when you're looking at where you are so you're not new to running and training and pushing yourself and you take a step back and look at how far you've come that's got to be so valuable, right? That's got to be an important thing to do, to step out the moment, almost take a step back and go look at the big picture. When somebody's coming back from a park run, when they are allowed to do park run and, you know, they're beating themselves up because they didn't achieve X and Y, whereas if they just take a step back and look at the broad picture, well, what have I done and where did I start this whole running madness, this journey? I think that can give a lot of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and keeping that in context is, is important. And any time that I, I maybe come up a, a bit short of a goal, whether it's on an individual workout or a, a week of training or a race or whatever, and, and you look and you think, wow, well, like what would I have thought four years ago if, if I had done that? And it, it would have been a phenomenal uh, outcome. So uh, it's it's not always just about improvement every single time we, we go out there, but having an overall trend line that's up. And, and there will be failures along the way. And some of those failures will be the most valuable learning experiences. I've, I've had a, a good number of them. But then when you step back and look at the big picture and, and you know, it's, it's like a stock chart. It's a squiggly line, but the trend line overall is, is headed up. I really want to maximize the opportunity having you on, John, because it's great chatting to you. I want to get into your expertise now. So you do a training session, whatever that might be, and it doesn't go to plan. What do you do then? How do you, what's the process? Talk me through that. Do you have, you strike me as a very logical guy. You're very data driven. Do, do you reflect on it? How do you use that information? Because some people beat themselves up. And I'm interested to know what your thought process is if you have a session and it doesn't go to plan. Like anything, whether it's a training session or a race, looking at, at why it, it didn't go to plan. Is there something that I need to do better? Was I not properly fueled? Was I not properly rested and recovered from the previous hard workout? What are the lessons that I can take away going into the next one to try to get back uh, headed in the right direction. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's quite useful as, as well to, to have a, a coach that I've had for a bit over a year now to have that objective view of what's going on. Because a, a lot of times we're not always able to do that when looking at our own running. We have our, our personal biases and our emotions attached to it. Uh, and, and aren't necessarily able to, to really see the, the full picture and, and what lessons we can take away from coming up a, a bit short from what our goals were. Tell me about injuries. Is that something that you, you, you have to manage well? Are you pretty resilient? Are you a tough cookie? Because some people are. I know obviously high injury risk with running, but do you have anything that kind of plagues you or are you a pretty clean bill of health? I've been quite fortunate to, to never have any sort of long-term injury that's, that's helped 
help me out for more than a week or so. I've, I've had some short-term IT band stuff. Uh, Everybody's so cursing you now just... listening to the show. Everybody's cursing you going, can't believe he's only been out for a flipping week. Listen to what he's been doing. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, these these things come up, and, and it is, I, I recognize that that is kind of one of the gifts that I have. I, I think when you're talking about ultra-endurance things, uh, one of the biggest parts of, of quote-unquote talent is not the you know vo2 max and the other physiological indicators we would typically think of associated with running but it's just an ability to withstand the training uh, and stay consistent and and not get injured and i've been able to do that Um, part of that is also though listening to my body uh, not overdoing it backing off when i see any signs of overtraining Uh, by volume i'm i'm doing uh, around, I top out at about 70 miles a week, uh, which as far as a lot of ultra runners go out there, even a lot of marathoners, that's not super high volume. So that's that's something where, again, I, I want to be in it long term. And I think that trying to stay consistent over time uh, is, is much better than having this kind of start-stop uh, business of, of going hard and then burning out and then going hard again and, and, and back and forth. How much sort of quality running do you do in your training on a, like a typical week? Can we can we ask you what a typical week kind of kind of looks like? Don't worry, Damien Hall doesn't listen to this show, by the way, so you're not going to give away any national secrets. <laughs> well, well in, interestingly, Damien and I have the same coach. Oh wow, um, fantastic! Which, like the Penine Way record, I had the coach first, uh, but then then Damien came along and oh wow. Yeah, so yeah, do, you, yeah. do you like do you like put a call into Damien and say what what what's, what session is he giving you this week? You know, we've di- we've discussed a couple of times, um, but uh, I mean, a typical week is uh, generally uh, ten mile runs on normal days with some strides. Saturdays going going longer, anything from you know twenty miles up to. 50k is is the most uh, I ever do in training, and then Tuesdays uh, actually is is my workout day. So you you kind of caught me at the the best part of my week here. I'm just post my my hard workout and and have a whole another week um, here with, be, before my next one. That's going to involve some some higher intensity stuff, uh, anything from from hill repeats to uh, tempo sessions. That's also why my voice is a bit raspy at the moment, having been out there sucking cold air for the the past two hours. John, we've spoke quite a bit, or we've touched certainly on yeah. goals and your goals personally, because it's you know you like to push yourself and get close to your ceiling of ability. We're coming to the back end of the year now. We're virtually knocking on the door of 2021. Everybody's super happy about that. Um, what's how do you set goals in terms of how do you measure what your limit? of ability is how what I'm, I'm trying to sort of tap into your thought process here because you want to you want something that's challenging but you don't want to step too far over what you feel your limit is because you won't simply achieve that so do, do you have kind of ways of measuring this do you kind of draw off your experience of, of, of other challenges that you've done I'm wondering how that how that works for you it's really things that again personally have meaning to me uh Barkley uh, the Barkley marathons uh, that was, it, it was on the land right across the street from where I grew up, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. The, those, those were my mountains. That, that was my home. 
and and so that was a huge motivating factor for me to, to get out there on that terrain and uh, represent the, the local community and doing that uh, and and then also a, a large part of it in ultra running and mountain running in particular is, is simply getting to explore uh, these beautiful areas uh, these places that otherwise I would never have time to see or to visit or to take in in a more leisurely fashion and so that's that's a huge part of it for me for me personally I am at the stage in my career where I do still very much in, enjoy uh, the competitive element and, and being able to measure myself against others and so that to me is, is where finding a good balance between races and personal challenges like the nine way record and fastest known times and, and things where I'm out there and in sort of an individual time trial format, it's important to, to find a balance between those two um, where the, the personal challenges are, are perhaps the things that are, are most meaningful to me uh, as far as my individual go- goals go. But races and competition, those really provide me a good benchmark of, of where I am and how I'm progressing and allow me to uh, assess myself in, in terms of what other goals I can potentially reach for. These things are, are very individual. So some people, you, you know, that you, you may not be interested in the competitive development at all and are simply out there to, to finish the race and enjoy the scenery. And, and that's great. So if I was to ask you how well you want to do in any of the events that you do in terms of percentage, where, where would you be at? 98, 99, 100? Where, where, would, you, where would you pitch it typically? Well, the, the big ones each year, I'm, I'm going out there to win. And, and that doesn't mean that I will, but that's what I'm going to, to set as my motivational goal and, and what I'm going to be aiming for. I think I, know, I knew the answer to that question before I asked it. You know, 100%, you're going out there to win it. You want to do as well as you can. I can see him smiling here on the screen because he knows it to be true. But I think it's interesting because not everybody necessarily has to be pushing that hard. So the recreational runner that just, you know, is really short on time and perhaps they feel the pressure easily within training and they just want to get themselves feeling better. They don't necessarily have to be standing on the starting line of a local 10k to achieve 100% of what they're capable of and I kind of just want to remind people listening to the show of that as well that you can push as hard as you want to push of course if you're talking about goal setting want to set something really lofty something really out your comfort zone which clearly you do John everything matters doesn't it the strategy the training the nutrition the sleep the mindset when you're in that uncomfortable painful place during that event you've got to be able to go somewhere in your mind to get through it and come out the other side but not everybody necessarily has to do that so i think it's really important to know yourself so people listen to this show how hard do you want to push and understand that if you do want to push really hard it's going to take a lot of work right john you've got to put the effort in yeah absolutely and you know one thing i really enjoy about like my grand round grand round challenge and other individual efforts like that is you can set the bar wherever you want wherever is appropriate for you wherever is most uh, appealing to you and, and will really motivate you the, the best. You, you can choose the goal. You can choose the challenge, uh, and and that's fully customizable. And, and likewise, uh, when it comes to training, uh, it, it all depends on your goals. You don't necessarily have to go out there and have high intensity workouts if you don't plan on racing. Uh, you don't have to go on super long runs unless that's what you enjoy. One of my my favorite little factoids uh, ever, actually, is Ryan Hall, the uh, still the American record holder in the marathon. Uh, at the time he retired from competition, 
he had never in his life run farther than two and a half hours. Wow. That's uh, when you're as fast as him, you can cover quite a distance in two and a half hours. But still, you know, it's, it's a matter of, of focusing on whatever your own goals are and doing what is necessary for those specific goals, regardless of, of what other people are doing in training or in racing. John, we mentioned it a few times during this chat, and I'm sure there's some people that are very familiar with this crazy race. Some people aren't. Tell me about the Barkley Marathons. Just what, what For people that don't know, just summarise, what is that? Uh, so it's, as you say, a, a crazy race in the <laughs> mountains of Tennessee in the US. Uh, it is, you know, the, the race director calls it a 100-mile race. Everyone thinks it's closer to 130. <laughs> it's mostly off-trail, completely unmarked through the woods, uh, and has, I think the latest rendition had about 70,000 feet of climbing, and, you know, you're going through briars and all sorts of other uh, rough terrain, and... Uh, navigating only with a map and compass, GPS, altimeters, other electronic devices aren't allowed. Uh, you have 60 hours to finish. Uh, it's, it's been going uh, for over 30 years now, and I am finisher number 15 uh, and actually <laughs> still the defending champion because no one else has finished since <laughs> I did in 2017. Wow. It sounds very dangerous. I'm not surprised nobody's finished. I mean, that's insane. Are there often bear attacks and things like that? It can be a dodgy place, I'm sure. We, we don't have a lot of bear uh, in that specific sure. area. You have to go a bit <laughs> higher into the mountains for that, but we do have quite a few wild boar, poisonous snakes, ticks, chiggers. Chiggers are basically the state animal of Tennessee. It's this little mite that burrows under oh, your skin. And it's stop just... it. This is a horror story. That's giving me the chiggers just hearing about it. I don't want to know about that. Don't tell me about the chiggers, man. Keep them over there. Whoa. Most of that stuff, including also the poison ivy, um, that is not quite there yet. The race is in early spring. Uh, and so snakes are still hibernating. Poison ivy's not growing yet. Uh, that you know, still some boars out, but they're not really a problem. And no one, no one ever has. Everyone has always self-extracted themselves from the race. There's, there's never been an issue with any sort of rescue or anything of that nature. The people out there know, know what they're doing. And the other aspect uh, I, I should mention, especially here, uh, is the, the, the wind and the rain can be a bit bad here, but the temperature and the weather doesn't vary a great deal. Uh, March in Tennessee, you can go from freezing. Uh, I've, I've seen gallon jugs of water, frozen solid blocks of ice uh, at night. And then 12 hours later, the, the next afternoon, you know, it's, it's over 30 Celsius. Wow. It's a wild place. Listen, you don't, you don't need to worry about that. It's the chiggers. It's the chiggers you've got to worry about. It's not the temperature. The people who are self-extracting themselves, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, I can really relate to self-extracting because, like, pretty much every other day I self-extract myself from a 5K, John, so I, I feel their pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm understanding why you moved over here, why you're in Somerset, John, now, with all these crazy creatures you've got back home. You've got nettles Oh, here. I know. Yeah. You know I, I, don't know if, I don't know if the nettles are poison ivy at worst. You need to be careful of those. They could take you down. Yeah. I tell you, they will take you down, man. You'll be itching like a son of a bitch. 
damage for the whole week. You want to avoid that terrain. You stick to the roads. I, I try to step to the side to avoid them and end up in a foot-deep pool of mud and cow and sheep poop. Man, you don't need that. You don't need that. And you survived the Barkley Marathons. Actually, I did I did watch the documentary on that, which was fascinating. I think you can still get that on Netflix, right? There's quite a few of them uh, now at this point. There's the really? original one on Netflix. There's one on Vimeo. There's Where Dreams Go to Die on YouTube, uh, which has me in a, a good chunk of it. it it features gary robbins and his attempts at the barclay and then there's another one uh that is done done by some french photographers just 20 minutes it's, it's one of my favorites there les barclay sans pitié what we'll do john is um all of those videos that you just mentioned there we'll put links to them on the show notes so if you do want to check that out it is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast talking of inspiring videos to watch and catch up on some footage to get inspired tell me about uh, your recent fkt this this year obviously uh, uh pen away because people can check this out right this is uh what i i did before the grand round and, and so again mike hartley's record had stood for over 30 years for good reason he is uh quite the accomplished runner uh, and it's, it's quite the challenging route. So I was I was able to go out there and knock a bit of time off of that before Damien came along a week later and, and broke it again. Uh, originally, Damien and I were planning on going in opposite directions at the same time. Uh, unfortunately, the, the timing didn't work out for that. Uh, but uh, Matt and Ellie Green with Summit Fever, Fever Media came out and documented both of our efforts and put a film together called uh, Totally FKT that gives a great back and forth uh, of kind of switching between me and Damien and, and making it seem a, a bit like we're racing. Uh, so that was premiered at the Kindle Mountain Festival and it's still available on Vimeo and uh, Amazon Video. John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I, I love it. I could talk to you all day. It makes me want to get out there and smash some trails. Where do I need to be running around here? Come on, you must have some good routes in Somerset. Where do I need to be checking out? Somewhere near your neck of the woods once I'm allowed to? There, there's a, a three peaks loop uh, here that I, I really enjoy where I am and I, I get down to the Mindips uh, whenever I can. I'm just a bit north of there. I'm uh, next to Chew Valley Lake, so I've uh, found some pretty good footpaths around here and, and used the OS map uh, app on my phone uh, quite extensively. Uh, sometimes comparing it with the Strava heat maps to where I can see which footpaths are legit paths and which ones are just, you know, someone walked across a field with his sheep 400 years ago. And <laughs> Sounds awesome, man. I'm going to have to check those routes out. Of course, I won't drop you a text to see if you want to join me. I'll, otherwise, I'll be telling my girlfriend I'll see you in an hour and I'll be back in like five days or something, <laughs> man. But John, if people want to keep up with what you're up to, where can they connect with you on, on social media, on Instagram, that kind of thing? Where can you uh, see what you are up to next? I've got a blog at randomforestrunner.com. Uh, it has links to all my social media, but uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and uh, Twitter and everything are, are all some variant on that random forest runner uh, handle. Well, we'll add those to the show notes page, which is runningwithjack.com forward slash podcast. John, have a great rest of the day. Top man, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. John Kelly, what a top guy and the perfect guest for the 50th episode of the Running With Jake podcast. Did we mention that? This is episode 50. Episode 50. We're finally here. We've done 50 episodes and not been paid a penny for this stuff. <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter because it's fun and you get quality content like that. Um, if you 
would like to dip into your pocket and help us, you know, fund this to some extent and you are enjoying the content, then feel free to do that. I would love you to do that. I hate asking for money, but it does cost us money to do this and uh, we don't otherwise get paid for it. So, um, sorry to go on about money. It's very undignified, isn't it? But we have a Patreon. Um, <laughs> it is uh, runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. You'll find the link uh, there. Or if you see us in the street, just throw throw five of at us if you want that'd be fine or even if um you know 50ps or 10ps i don't mind no 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 not coins not coins because obviously <laughs> we've got to maintain social distancing so there's a whole that's trajectory true. thing going on here so if people are going to start to throw 50ps at us yeah that's not a good idea i think i mean imagine that that's going to cause some damage man i don't know i'll take the damage for a 50p seriously i'm very cheap i'm just concerned that you are going to turn up the patreon heat week on week i apologize now <laughs> to all listening to this episode <laughs> pete started off very relaxed and calm last week it was just a case of well if you would like to buy us a coffee then there is patreon now it's just i'm sensing the eagerness in your voice i'm I'm worried where this is going (laughs) give me money in the street come on you people i feel a bit like bob Bob geldof but without the um without the cause being anywhere near as good (laughs) back to helping you get the most out of running it is indeed hashtag ask jake Oh, breathe. Come on, you could do this. <laughs> and Marcel has dropped us a message. He wants to know how he can recover from intense sessions more quickly. He finds he gets sore legs quite easily and he wants to get straight back out there and stuck into his running. So he wants to know if I've got any tips or tricks. Uh, an interesting one, Marcel. You've kind of got to find what works for you a little bit. So it's really important that you understand your own body, your own tolerance levels, particularly where soreness is concerned, because some people may be able to have 20 four hours recovery some people 48 hours recovery for some people it might be slightly longer depending on the intensity of the session that gave you that soreness in the first place and of course remember if you do any resistance training such as weightlifting or anything like that then you need to factor that into your training sessions as well so you need to think about your training week and put those sessions strategically so if you know you have an intense uh, let's say an interval training session then do you want to be doing a weight session the day before that might work well for you and your body and it also might not so i think that's really important and some other things to throw at you you can of course do some holistic stuff as i like to call it so maybe spend a little bit of time doing some foam rolling maybe even a bit of hot or cold therapy depending on what works for you applying heat or ice to the sore muscles can aid recovery and improve uh, your recovery time frame uh, so there's some things for you to think about and of course you can always book in for a sports massage as well i don't mean with me by the way i mean just general obviously somebody local to you not me not me uh, it's hashtag ask jake of course if you want to drop us an email you can do that it is podcast at runningwithjake.com that's it for another weekly dose of running motivation this has been the running with jake podcast episode 50 we will be back here next week with episode 51 well we think it's 51 if pete's obviously got his numbers wrong then it could be i don't know it could be 48 might might be 53 it's not it's not it's definitely 51 next week i think is it don't forget to rate and review the show i do appreciate we're asking you to do a lot in today's episode but it is a 50th one we can do that you know you've got to go to patreon and give us some money you've got to obviously rate and review the show we want a lot out of you oh and don't forget you've got to subscribe to the show as well so you never miss an episode just go to the podcast app on your mobile phone hit the little subscribe button and we will be with you every single week have a great week see you here next week for more running motivation oh and one more thing Nerves are natural. It means you're ready to face a challenge and perform. Or in my case, chance a little poo on a coastal path. 
and on next week's episode of Running With Jake. I was lying in the stroke ward and I was looking out across the other six guys that were there thinking this could have been a lot worse. So was it bad? Oh my God, yes. You know, carried to the toilet, couldn't walk. I've never, ever, ever been as scared in my life.